Welcome, everyone, to the AI in Business podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, senior editor here at Emerge. The guest on today's show is Jeffrey Smalling, vice president of engineering at Flexport, a global logistics leader with over $2 billion in funding. On today's episode, Jeff joins us to explain how different global supply chain problems look from the end-to-end level than in any specific link in the chain even as the world economy puts COVID farther and farther in the rearview mirror. Later, we pull apart use cases in global brands and wholesale distribution and examine the balance between data collection and visualizing the most important information in user dashboards. Without further ado, here's our conversation. Jeff, thanks so much for being on the program with us today. Thanks for having me. So in terms of the global economy, I'm sure everybody listening to this show, business leaders, their mothers have have heard that the pandemic appears more or less in the rearview mirror and the fallout is is now residual, especially in terms of, you know, the media coverage of the supply chain issues that we saw over the last two and a half years. Colloquially, the dust has has sort of settled. What do you see right now as the biggest problems in supply chains and logistics currently where you see AI being applied that especially the the places that we're not talking about? Sure. Well, I think what you see in the economy, yes, the, the constraint has been lifted. But what we're actually seeing is a surplus in supply. And, and so therefore, you've got more interesting problems is, you know, how do you utilize that, that surplus to actually optimize your on-time performance and optimize your yield and make sure those deliveries are, are just in time? Because we've built up inventory in our warehouse. We've done a lot of things. So I think in the world of complexity, it's sort of the bullwhip effect where things go, you overbuy and then you get too much and then you correct and you correct. And so we're, we're seeing that bullwhip effect play out in real life. Maybe more like a pendulum kind of swing. It, it, you know, it stopped everything. No one could move anything. Now everybody's moving everything and now they have too much. It, it, is it sitting necessarily in inventory now? Because that, that was, you know, usually described as, as the big problem, you know, middle of COVID, middle of 2021, you know, as we're, as we're kind of pulling out in a, in, in a global economic sense from, from the pandemic, is it a lot of inventory that can't move or is it just, you know, it's moving, but everybody's inundated now? Correct. And so you can, you think the, the, the holiday season's now over, you right. might've gotten overstock and now you're selling through that. And so I think the people that are planning with really incredible supply chains and optimization, they're working through this and getting the inventory just in time. And so that, so if, the, if it's all sitting, then you mm-hmm. have more supply, more supply of, of vessels, airlines. And so we see prices come down and level off and we mm-hmm. can go take advantage of that and make sure that we get the right allocation of demand to that supply that's now in the market and streamline out the process and even out the pendulum swing, as you called it. Yeah. And and considering, you know, staying in our our, our pendulum swing metaphor that it's going to swing back, at what point is it, in? before we even get into the AI, before we even get into the technology, do we see this ameliorating itself in that pendulum swing down the line? And I guess maybe the sub-question of that is, is AI hastening that process? I just want to get the nature of, of how this problem is being solved or these yes. problems are being solved. So I think the companies that are, are, are focusing on their need 
right? And have that visibility in their supply chain, which AI helps you get, right? It takes that complexity, cleanses the data, gets it at your fingertips and gives you some predictions. Those companies will, will recover faster and, and get to a steady state. I think the companies that sort of have overplanned, you know, it might take a while for those, those to even out. And so we see a mix yeah. in, our, in our customer set, which makes this fun and challenging because you've got people at different levels of this pendulum and, mm -hmm. and we can take advantage of that massive amount of data and make sure that the people get the, the customers get the right, right inventory on the right boat at the right time. Of course, of course. You, you mentioned over planning right there and a, and a lot of, you know, business leaders from a lot of different sectors listen to this podcast. And I just want to put a finer point on, on, on what you meant by over planning and while, why they will be the, the companies that are kind of like slower to, to catch up, because I think, you know, across sectors. People listening might think like, oh, is that could that be me even in, you know, the healthcare space, the life sciences space or or anywhere adjacent to logistics? What do you mean by over planning? Right. So so we didn't know when this would lift. So they might have yeah. manufactured more inventory than they need because it was taking, yeah. you know, shot up from, you know, the days in transit tripled over the uh, pandemic period. And so they might have overproduced. And so now they've got that inventory sitting unutilized. So those are the kinds of problems where we're dealing with on the supply chain side. Of course. Now, we touched into this a little bit with the answer and trying to differentiate where the trajectory is moving, and this will be solved eventually with or without AI. And then we differentiated that the companies with AI will be faster. Where do we see AI entering the mix to solve these problems? You were saying before how it's, how it's about putting that predictive knowledge at the fingertips. Sure. So if you think about what global logistics is, it's getting the right inventory to the right place at the right time. And so when you think about that, I know you've talked to manufacturing companies and trucking companies. Those pieces are only slivers of the pie. When you think about end to end, it's, it's all of that mixed together, but with the same outcome. Where is my stuff? When is it going to get here? And what's the price, right? And to really mm -hmm plan your supply chain and optimize your supply chain, you need to really think end to end. And I think that's what, what Flexport's trying to do is we're vertically integrating all those steps with an asset light model, which is very different. You know, bringing mm. many factories onto the network, bringing many trucking companies, bringing many ocean carriers to give selection, many airlines, and then balancing all that to make sure that the customer has those three things. Where's my stuff? How's it going to mm -hmm. get here? When's it going to get here? And the price. And I think everything you're saying is really translating, especially for, for logistics and, and manufacturing folks. But what do you mean by asset light for the folks out, outside of those areas? Sure. So you can think about control. And what are we optimizing right. for? Ultimately, is we're optimizing a network for quality. So there's mm -hmm. a couple of ways you can do that, strategies you can do. You can own your vessels, own your airlines, own your trucking fleet, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's you know, a control-based model. Flexport's more of a network with assets, partners. So we work with all right. the major ocean carriers, many airline carriers, many trucking partners, many warehousing companies, many factories, thousands of factories. And so we don't control the assets. So what do we have to do? We need to make sure that one, we, we get the data incorrectly because it's really a race of data and the goods traveling. Two, when we have that data, we can then optimize and plan all the different nodes of the network. And then three, we need to be able to monitor the quality. 
and then handle those exceptions. So get data points from many different sensors and feeds and, and sources to control those assets and get provide a feedback loop back to them on how they're performing. I think we've been mostly kind of like working around the biggest use case in this space, which is predictive inventory. And I'm wondering, especially because you differentiate Flexport, you know, being end to end, whereas, you know, a lot of these conversations we've had on the show, they're dealing in trucking, these these slivers. Are there bigger use cases we're not talking about that you're seeing in that end to end, you know, global supply chain work that you guys do? Yeah, the bigger end to end use cases is the total view of the, you know, the, the, the end game, I'd say, is that total view of, all right, here's my purchase order that I need to manufacture, right? Mm hmm with that purchase order, when's it going to get here? And that includes that entire end. So the people, those companies that are buying know when it's going to get there to restock their shelves or mm -hmm. to launch a new product on time or to manufacture, you know, automotive, for example, getting it there on time to keep the lines running. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And you know, just pouring into your website and, and the, you know, case study reports that you guys showcase there for, for your use cases, number of different industries here, number of different beachheads, which is, which is pretty impressive. Much of the success of these use cases, you know, pouring through and, and, and not to paint with a broad brush, feel free to get in specifics, but it seems a lot have to do with being able to prioritize the right data visualizations in dashboards to streamline workflows across e-commerce, wholesale distribution onwards. Can you give us some insight into the process by which Flexport considers data visualizations based on these use cases? You know, what's the methodology, the philosophy here? I think probably maybe the easiest one to probably talk about first is, is the global brand use case, because that's so much data. You're collecting so much macroeconomic data and you need to decide out of all of that what's what's most important, which has got to be, you know, less than, you know, 0.1 percent of, of, of everything you're collecting. Sure. What does the global brand care about, right? They, they care about getting their inventory distributed to these different points at the right time. And at any right. given moment, there's different supply chain disruptions on different lanes. And each lane also behaves differently. And so the way we tackle this problem is, first of all, it's acquiring the right data. So when is it going to be made from the factories? What's in it? What was the final mm -hmm. packaging? So that's the first application, I think, of science. The second application is then routing that on the right vessel. And then the third application is making sure we collect all the data and know where the products is. And then that ultimately creates that visualization that you're referring to. Where mm -hmm. is the stuff going? When is it going to get there? And then in mass, like where are the congestion areas and how should mm -hmm. we handle with that? How should we handle those exceptions? Because global logistics is a lot of exceptions that happen, whether it's environment or, or transit strikes or, or a lot of different factors that we can't control. Of course. Now, how would that differentiate, say, from like e-commerce? I mean, I mean, I of course, e-commerce refers to a, like you know much smaller players. You know, it's still still some global names there, but you know, for the most part, can really deal in in much smaller places much smaller players. Is it just a difference in much less data, but you're still, you know, prioritizing that same information? When's it going to get here? Or is there a, a drastic difference? Yeah. So I mean, e-commerce, there's a couple different differences and, and e-commerce has many different scales, which is interesting. So yeah. you know, I guess the enterprise e-commerce players, you know, it's a very similar problem. The, the smaller 
e-commerce players like your your mom and pops that are selling socks on Shopify, for example, right there. Sure. They don't buy as much inventory, so they don't have as much control. And so that's where we can actually gain a lot of leverage by taking many smaller e-commerce, SMB e-commerce players, helping them produce and then consolidating them together to import it together and then break it apart and get it to their last mile deliveries, you know, optimizing costs, giving them more control because we've got control. We can, we can give them a, a, an efficient experience. Very, very interesting. Now I imagine wholesale, wholesale distribution. That's a, that's a little bit bigger, a little bit more global. That might resemble the visualizations, your methodologies for global brands, but what, what's the difference there or what's the philosophy or methodology there? Yeah. So for global distribution, you know, I think it adds more nodes to the network, right? So, yeah. so you're now going to get it into a warehouse and then redistribute it to more warehouses. The other interesting use case that, that I, I've learned about is you have to track that lineage of the product but from origin source to maybe a destination source, but maybe that's not the final destination. Maybe that's a packaging center. And then it goes mm -hmm. back out to different countries. So you can then optimize things like duties and taxes. And so applying science to the entire lineage of the, the distribution. Mm, absolutely. That, that's probably the, the meat and potatoes of at least the, the big subject matter. But I, I, I just, I'm curious for your thoughts here. Once we're firmly out of the pendulum swing, let's, let's say the pendulum swing reaches some sort of normal. And that, that kind of seems a bit on the horizon right now. What do you think the AI applications are, are going to look like? Is there a kind of a horizon we're not really looking at right now in terms of, you know, a lot of these AI technologies have been in response to pandemic. You were talking about over planning. I think that's that's kind of an, another residual symptom of pandemic happening, a very reactionary you know business strategy. Obviously, AI has been a part of that. When the pendulum reaches a, a normal swing, what do you think the role of AI will look like? And do you have a sense of, of when that is? Feel free, of course, in this future question to say, I don't know, because I think that's a very valuable answer too. Yeah. When things are at steady state, the interesting thing to me about logistics is, is the amount of complexity that there is. Mm. And so it is, you know, for Flexport, we're still at that tip of the iceberg, right? And so when you think right. about complexity, this is just increasing complexity from number of lanes we serve to number of geographies to number of capabilities. And all of those can work together to make sure we answer that one question. And so the optimization is, is going to continue for a long time. And it's applying some of these modern techniques to those. So taking something that was very heuristic based in the past and applying machine learning to that, you know, it's going to create some innovations. That's everything from the planning process to yield optimization to pricing strategies. So when it's a commodity market and everything's stable, how can you win, right? You can apply different strategies to, to make sure we're giving the best price to customers at the time. Yeah. Then you can reduce costs down for operations by applying that technology to automate, let's say, classification of, of SKUs for their tax purposes, right? And so there's a bunch of different things that we can apply to continue to optimize, which is going to create all sorts of new innovations. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a very it's a very exciting time, especially as we kind of reach a perhaps a, not a return to normal, but the next normal, as as I keep hearing it being called, and and it increasingly seems like the case. Jeff, thank you so much for being with us. I found this a very enlightening conversation. Sure, thanks for having me. Yes, and in drawing today's episode to a close, I think it's illuminating what Jeff is saying about the pendulum swing, it being independent, but related, but as a, as a force, it's independent of AI itself. Of course, AI will hasten the process for some companies, not all. And who those companies are, of course, I, I think is very interesting that he's put a finer point on throughout today's show. That's something that that also seems very certain. What we're returning to resembles old norms. And eventually, this pendulum swing, as we've been referring to it throughout today's show, that's going to return to some sort of normal. And it will resemble the old normal, but how the pandemic has changed the world economy and by extension humanity itself, that is the crux of what we call the next normal so often on the show and elsewhere. And I think what's at the heart of that is the tools that we've gained in reaction to pandemic that we find are serving the larger world. That is the crux of what we mean by the next normal so often in these conversations. And of course, AI is at the heart of that. On behalf of Daniel and the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for joining us today, everyone. And we'll catch you next time on the AI and Business Podcast. Podcast.